Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting, because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Dory Fern. Welcome, Dory. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm overpaid and underworked. No, not really. I wish. Um, there's so many things. We do these little... We don't do a lot of preparation. In fact, I urge guests, show up as unprepared as you possibly can show up because we're all podcasters and podcasters never show up unprepared. They travel apparently around the world carrying their microphones with them. So <laughs> this is I, all I, I'm using. This is the only time I'm going to use it probably in, in three and a half Right. Well, I, but you didn't pack it just for this call, did you? Well, it was a just in case, but I knew this call was happening. See, see podcaster brought your gear with you <laughs> and you bought a set of headphones, which you probably use for other things too. Uh, so we did a little discussion beforehand and there are like so many things that we could talk about. And I really like to try to give you like a place. Uh, somebody once gave me the metaphor about ice skating. If you ask somebody a question, just like a free floating untethered, you know, what's your favorite kind of cheese? They're just like, um, I don't know. But if you give them something to push off of like an ice skater, then it gets a little easier. I think based on what I heard you talking about in the podcasting course and some of the things we talked about beforehand, I think the question really is about how do you think you're going to start the conversations you were talking about, trying to start conversations about race. And it's not that that's, it's a difficult topic, but like starting a conversation uh, the, that's going to go somewhere useful is really the hard part. It's not so much having the conversation that's hard. It's how does one, and that's not my swimming pool. I don't normally swim in that pool. Um, but when I walk by on the pool deck, you know, I'm like, yeah, the hard part here would be how do you get the right people to join you? And right. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on like how far have you gotten trying to unpack that and maybe what steps have you tried to take to figure out who to engage with? Um, well, I haven't, I guess I've thought a lot about it. Um, I guess it's worth taking a step back to say that the podcast that I am about to launch published almost in, in a matter of days <laughs> called life changing with Dory Fern is about my life changing, about me leaving my job last July at 55, and really just wanting to talk about the messy middle part of it. Like right. you stop something, you get somewhere else. And I just kind of found that there was a lack of messy conversations. You know, everybody wants to be an expert or talk to experts. And I don't think, I always feel like, well, that's cool. But how did you get to that point? Like, mm. what were the mistakes you made? What were the fears you had? What were the, and I just, I don't know, the people who talk about that stuff tend to do it in, in very wise kind of tones. I don't know. I, I just wanted it to be me exploring all the things, not just work, although that's certainly a big part of it, but also my personal life and, you know, what it means to be in this phase of life, but how one just makes changes and, and, and what one goes through and the moments that are important, sometimes talking to other people, sometimes not. And the reason race is important to me is because, well, it's, always been a very 
deeply important conversation for me. I, how do I even say why? I mean, it's from the time I was a teenager. You know, I'm from a very liberal white Jewish New York City background. And I learned in my late teens that there was a lot of hypocrisy in that, mm. in that place. You know, people who march and go to rallies and, and vote Democratic but don't really want you to come home with <laughs> the boyfriend. The idea that's coming to mind is that you weren't sheltered. I'm guessing. But no. you, and was yeah. that? There was a lot of kumbaya in my family in a lot of ways, but then there was also what I saw to be, and this was this was in the 80s, so I don't know that it would have been the same now in my family, but but interracial dating I came to learn at 16, wasn't me, it was a cousin of mine, like was just threw everybody in a tizzy. And I, and that yes. immediately told me something about race that really stuck with me. It influenced my politics and in not necessarily in the most predictable of ways. Like I would say now I'm very, you know, kind of conventionally progressive politics are very different now than they were back in the 80s. But back in the 80s, I was like, well, I'm not going to necessarily vote for a Democrat because I don't see Democrats necessarily being really, you know, socially liberal in the way I think of as being truly open-minded and expansive. So my politics were kind of separated or how I would vote, I should say, was very separated in, or this was how I rationalized it at the time. I look back and like, I made some stupid choices about voting. Don't get me wrong. But I, <laughs> but it, it, in the back, but what I was rejecting was this idea that, that a Republican had to necessarily be worse than a Democrat because they weren't socially liberal enough. Because I saw a lot of social liberals, not truly in real life, being all that open minded. Do you feel like that's, um, that I'm, I'm going to say that's a pretty enlightened, uh, also a child of the eighties. We're about the same age. Um, I know what I was doing in the eighties, not that I was doing anything incredibly untoward, but I was not spending a lot of time thinking about political nuance or social nuance. And I'm wondering if you were aware at the time that I'm going to say that's a little more enlightened than the normal generation you know, like you would plot us all on a bell curve. I think you were a little bit more uh, in advance in that thought. And did that come, did you notice that at the time? And did that come from anywhere? Like, did that come from your parents? Did that come from the environment? Did that come from uh, something you read? Or Well, I mean, I grew up in the Bronx and I'm like from a very liberal Jewish family in Co-op City in the Bronx, which I don't know if you know anything about Co-op City, but I don't I mean, know much about Co-op City. I, I, I mean, the, the, historically, Co-op City, oh, let's see, it opened in 1968. We moved there in 1969. It was meant to be a place built to prevent middle-class Jews from escaping to the suburbs. It didn't work, but it, um, you know, it, 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 by the way, it was like, I think it's still the biggest housing complex in the country. It's 60,000 mm. people live in Co-op City. And, um, you know, so when I was growing up, it, it was pretty diverse. It was diverse in the way things were diverse in the 70s, which meant that, sure, there were a lot of people who looked different from you. But, you know, 
I didn't, I can't say I had a lot of close friendships with people who weren't white. I have, you know, there are some people who I would love to get one, one woman in, in particular who I would love to find. I, I don't remember more than her first name. She didn't go, she went to a private school, which is very unusual, unless it was Catholic school. It was very unusual where I grew up. And a, a, a black girl, uh, well, she was a black girl. Now she's a black woman, I assume. Um, and, um, I, you know, right. and I remember her mom's name. I remember her name, and she lived in my building. And I remember she had a Barbie head that um, we played together and did makeup on. Like that was super fun for me. I did not like dolls, but I love doing the makeup and the creative mm. stuff. And she and I just really, we really got along well. Um, we were both smart, um, maybe kind of smarter than a lot of other kids around. Yeah, borderline I don't know. too smart as a, as a parent, our parents would say too smart for your own good. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, to go back to your question. So I was around different people, you know, I, I, again, grew up in New York city and not in, in, in a particular, in, in a diverse place. So I was around people that were different from me and looked different from me. And even though there was a hypocrisy I saw in my grandparents in particular, um, my parents, who were probably, you know, certainly also liberal voting Democrats, but not quite as, I, I don't know, maybe politically, uh, certainly my mother was not a, a political activist at the time um, in any way, shape, or form, but she was a lot more accepting of a lot more uh, socially, because mm -hmm. that's just the kind of person she is to this day. And I don't know, just all of those things just came together to make me just the person I am. And then when I moved to Brooklyn after my kid, you know, after having my daughter, and that felt like home to me in a whole different way. And, and I, but I actually think it wasn't until I got divorced, my late thirties was about when I started to make deeper friendships, truly mm -hmm have deeper friendships with black people. Um, and you know, I, I, I have a pretty diverse true friend group, not just people who are like my one black friend or, or acquaintances, like, you know, good friends. And so the more, you know, people, the more you understand, like truly my mind has been blown to, to understand the lived experiences and how different the lived experiences of so many black people I know are from not only from white people. So like, obviously, duh, they're different in, in, in many, I think most people kind of understand that in a certain kind of way, but even people who I knew for a long time, just, you know, certainly in the past few years, even just understanding how people, a lot of people have lived a, very closed off from sharing their experiences with white people because of, of, of a kind of mistrust, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to speak for other people, but, right. but it makes me realize, you know, I was at, at a, I was at a, a panel at Soho house led by a friend of mine, a black guy. And he, and he was interviewing Bamani Jones, you know, um, from it brings BS, a bell, but I don't... and he was saying how, 
have you noticed like black people always talk about race? And it's true. I'm around my black friends always talking about race. It's just a common conversation. How many of your white friends talk about race? I mean, I have some good friends and we do talk about race, but they're not the people I need to be talking to about race. They're the people who are like kind of like me interested in changing the conversation mm-hmm. and interested in in kind of fighting this white supremacist sort of or white power structure that we live in where the norm is white, where the education system is created by white people about kind of white history and and mm-hmm. all of those things. The people who 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 I want to have conversations with I also don't want to have conversations in particular with people who are very close-minded because, you know, I mean. Yeah, well, there's always the challenge of just because I can get someone to talk to me doesn't mean, A, that I'm going to change or they're going to change. That's the whole, that's one of the challenges of why does one want to have any particular conversation? Are we trying to accomplish something uh, out, you know, like are we working together to change something outside? Are we working together just to capture something? Are we working together to try and find things that we can't see? And there's there's just so many different um, parameters that you can choose to explore in any conversation. I'm wondering if you've, so the very first thing I asked about, like, this is nice because I'm just like, yeah, this is really shows why it's so difficult for anyone, myself, yourself, to try and figure out who to ask to, you know, like, who do I talk to next? And on this show, um, this it's actually super easy on this show because I don't have an overarching mission. So it isn't like I have to convince the world that latkes are the greatest thing ever, which by the way, <laughs> you really made me hungry. I'm like reading all this stuff. Um, but you know, if I had a clear goal, then then it becomes important that, you know, if I'm doing a George Surratt paint painting about pointillist dots, and I want to try and get a picture when I'm done. But on this particular show, I'm not trying to paint a bigger picture. So as soon as one says, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, uh, trying to cause a larger discussion about race to happen, then you've set this challenge for yourself about how do you figure out who to talk to? Um, And even the question of, should it be my own voice that's even heard? Like, maybe I should try to figure out how to make this conversation happen. And it's not really me as one of the conversation partners. Um, So I'm super curious about like, why did you, why did you decide, you know, having, I was going to say just barely having managed to successfully create your own podcast, which is on a more manageable topic myself, right? You know, mm-hmm. doing it about yourself. Why did you feel like that going to this really complex, mm-hmm. I don't mean that negatively, but this really complex idea of racism um, or even political uh, contention? Why did you want to go there next with mm-hmm. podcasting? That's interesting. And I don't know that I want to, I don't know that I thought, oh, let me do this via podcast. I'm I'm actually trying to figure out where the best place to have that conversation is. But I think to get to what I think is what you're getting at is why, why this, you know, a lot about this time in my life has been to move towards deeply important things where I think I can make a difference. You know, I'm not terribly unique in this moment of time where there's just one article after another about how people right. in middle age in particular are looking for more purpose and to to you know all that stuff and by the way I like I and I even talk about this on my podcast like I am so not somebody who likes now being 
popular, <laughs> like doing the popular thing. It, it makes yeah. me very uncomfortable. But I kind of feel like because I am kind of in an unusual place of having the relationships I have and having thought about this and and as deeply as I have and it being important as it is that I I can do something maybe that in my position that other people just might not either have that that kind of fire in their belly to do mm. or the capabilities the there, capability times- without ha- being in without being an academic or without you know I'm not coming from that place um but I but I want to get to uh something like why this is um uh, partic- well, like what made this particularly kind of important now has to do in short, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but I, I have a friend who I, I had a very difficult conversation about race with, and I learned she was a very close friend of mine. I, I hate to say was, uh, but it definitely for me changed the nature of our friendship. I, we are still working through that. What I learned in having this conversation is somebody who I've known so long, how little I could understand how about mm. her and how little she understood about me and what I think about race. These are not things that happen between black people. Like I feel like <laughs> white people get away with not having really important conversations. And what what was missed in that in in that whole thing was this fear that she has as liberal as she thinks she is, as, you know, the things that I heard out of her mouth were just so like jaw-dropping to me that she really thought a certain way. And what she was saying was, and she literally said to me at one point, it's never been our time, Dory. And she meant for, I guess, middle-class white women like us, like there, and you know, that the struggles that we had, like it, it's never been our time. And that was, a so she, she kind of revealed this fear and I don't think she's alone. And the reason we even had the, the argument we had was because I didn't address something with her that I should have addressed when it happened. And it kind of festered for, you know, kind of two thirds of a pandemic and it came up again. And so that also just it, it it struck me like there's a like people who think that they are very open minded and liberal but live in kind of these glass houses i guess i i, I don't know just live very cloistered from yeah, having these difficult conversations if you have a small friend circle or your you know your Venn diagram of people is you know, all the people are kind of the same, then you're going to wind up with a particular, um, not quite worldview. And I don't think she was always that way. I don't think she, or even, you know, maybe she just conflates kind of her younger life where maybe there was a little bit more diversity or maybe who she knows at an arm's distance and whatever it is, I don't think, I don't like, I don't think she's unusual. And, and it, it made me sad that she, she feels like there isn't enough space for everyone. And maybe these are real things, you know, cause somebody to, to actually make a more diverse and inclusive world there, there are a limited number of seats in certain places. I mean, right. that is kind of a reality. And I don't necessarily think that 
they're all going to go to somebody else and not you and your, but there is that, I don't know, you know, I think it's worth discussing those things and not just being afraid or settling back into your comfortable place of power kind of, Hmm. I don't know. As much as I hate to say it, every time yeah. I'm watching, watching our time tick by. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I. Don't we can know move on. That, well, it's kind of like 20 minutes is a good place to stop. This doesn't have to be the only time that we have a conversation. Um, it is nice to, uh, I'm going to say, to encounter fellow travelers who are like going, wow, this is really difficult. I think I'm going to try and put some brain cycles into digging into the thing. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to speak for you, but I know that when I look at problems like that, the first thing it took me a long time to learn was I don't have to try and solve the thing. If I can just be one of the people who is trying to be aware of the thing, then that's a step in the right direction. Um, that's a lot of why conversation is the thing that I'm often talking about. Like just better conversation is a better thing because that means more conversation. Uh, but that's, my limited take on what we're talking about here. Uh, I guess I would just say thanks so much for taking the time today, Dory. It was a pleasure to get a chance to finally talk to you. Thanks. It was a pleasure here too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Greg.